Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. We've done the intro, you've heard the intro, so uh, how do you want to start this week, Jessica? Today, we are watching... That's a good way, classic way to start. Good way to start, please continue. Today, we are watching... Drum roll. Did you know that we are watching a show called The Artful Detective? No, What, what does that mean? That's what the show was called in the United States until season 12. Oh, what? I'm sorry, what? Season 12? Yes. They they let it go 12 seasons before they're like, nah, we need a rebrand. Yeah. How does that make any sense at all? I I don't know. That's all I know about that. Coming out of the gate strong. I know one thing. Here we go. I don't know why. Well, the thing is, I do remember seeing or thinking, maybe it was in preparing for this podcast, that I was like, oh, we need to watch this show called The Artful Detective. And Mm, I think I put mm -hmm. it on the list, and then I went looking for it. And I was like, what the hell? I can't find it. I think I remember that. And then to find out that it was Murdoch Mysteries the whole time. It was Murdoch Mysteries. Just like the the, whole time. The whole time. It was Murdoch Mysteries (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) Yes. So, so, yes, we're watching the Murdoch Mysteries, not the Artful Detective. I mean, it is the Artful I mean, it Detective. Is the Artful it, because we are watching the 11th season. So, oh, technically, right. we are watching the Artful Detective. Here's my question about this show. Here's my question about this show. So, it's the Artful Detective, which I get. It's Murdoch Mysteries. But it's the Artful Detective, which is a nod to the fact that this man seemingly invents everything. Yeah. Everything. Like, there are some people, and we can get into this, there are some people who call this steampunk because he's inventing all of these things well ahead of when they actually came out. Yeah. I have I have a list. I have a he list. He does have goggles. He and... has. He does have goggles. He has goggles and a top hat. It must be steampunk. <laughs> That's how that works, just in case you didn't know. If it's goggles and wool. Goggles, top hat, and wool. It's lots steampunk. That's, and yeah. there is and lots of wool. And it's Victorian. It's Victorian. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I, I, you know, we, we can argue. I'm not sure that this is actually steampunk. Okay. Um, because frankly, because my number one isn't... reason, there is no punk about this at all. Well, that is true. There is zero. <laughs> there is. He is squarer than Clark Kent. This man, this man is a Boy Scout to end all Boy Scouts. He is with this lady for how many years before he even tries to kiss her? Well, I will talk about that I later. I know you will. <laughs> but this is, okay, here's here's a short list of the things that, this is a short list. Here we go. Fingerprinting, blood testing, trace evidence, the radio, television. He invents television with Nikola <laughs> Tesla in the pilot, people. Yeah. They, not to be fair, he doesn't have a practical version of it. He just develops it in theory with Nikola Tesla, but he still does. Yes. He does develop sonar yeah. to locate a ship in that has sunk to the bottom of Lake oh, Ontario. Gosh. There's more. The fax machine, <gasps> microwave ovens, night vision goggles, what? silly putty, because why not invent silly putty, a gun silencer, a bulletproof vest, and that's just a few. Why is this man a detective? 
Yeah. He's, I mean, he, like, this is not his calling. His calling is science and inventions. What is he doing solving podunk murders in Toronto? I mean, bless him. Murders. Bless him. Every yes. every life is important and sacred. And I'm sure the people who <laughs> he brings to justice, I'm sure their families appreciate his work. But come on. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Anyways. Yeah, we're watching Murdoch Mysteries. And all love to this show. But my goodness, like you just... Mm. I'm not sure why they call it the artful detective either. I mean, I'm not saying that being an inventor isn't art. It right. is, absolutely. Sure. But I, I feel like that's a little off the mark. Well, well, so we should come up with a... Like the inventing detective, maybe. Yeah, I'm could be a post-it here. note. I'm, I, clearly, they've changed the name once. I'm just trying to give them a better name. Like a mindful mysteries, like masterful, and like the the uh, the masterful the, the, inve- the investigating inventor. Oh, oh, uh, come on! Yeah. Like it's, it's they're all it's out sure. there. It's out there. Yeah, I, I I I'm gonna go with that. I'm I think we should call this the investigating inventor, and that <laughs> we should write them and pitch that that should be the new title for this show. Yeah, and their for their next. For their next seasons. <laughs> yeah, for their next twenty seasons, go with the investigating inventor and yeah. retcon it all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like he's not actually a cop. What he really is, like he, like he's really an inventor. Maybe, maybe this is the thing. Maybe he has already invented something so spectacular. Like maybe he invented buggy whips. Like maybe he invented <laughs> buggy whips that everybody uses in Toronto. And so he's got all of this money as an inventor already. And he's like, you know, what should I do with all this money? I should go, I should fight crime. It's, I mean, that's yeah. Bruce Wayne. Like, I should yeah. fight crime. So we don't know about some sad backstory. Right, we don't have it. a sad Other, backstory for this guy. Otherwise, but. Batman is a good corollary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that, like, this guy is definitely not, like, again, there's no punk. There's no angst to this man that I see. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's really the truth. It is a very gentle show. It is a very gentle show. He is such, the actor, the character is so gentle. <laughs> Everything is just so... Um, just not like exciting, <laughs> like like that. You know, it's just very, very even keel. He is very even keel. He is very straight laced. He's very even keel. Yeah. He's very together. Very much just and straight. He is and straight. Also yes, straight also man. straight man. Yes. <laughs> he also he also has the most beautiful eyes. He really I have does. Ever seen? <laughs> it is. It is shocking just how like you you're staring at his eyes and you're like either he has the worst makeup artist who put on way too much eyeliner or those are just the most arresting eyes ever and after watching a bunch of episodes on this no they're just beautiful eyes yeah he i mean it's it's stunning like the the first season is practically all shot in close-up so much to the point where like yes, I, it really has I, I got seasick at certain yeah, points because they're, they're tracking all of these people in close-up and i'm like you gotta stop you gotta stop and give me a wider shot i'm getting seasick watching this person yes. bounce everywhere yeah i was like is the aspect ratio off on no. our, our our television or something <laughs> because these are really close <laughs> and it's because they want to get you into his eyes they're just like yeah focus on the dreaminess focus <laughs> on the dreaminess and pick up the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> Keep watching. But it's still, it's a fun show. He does solve yeah. the mysteries. So thank goodness for that. So yes. we're, we're yes. watching, what are we watching? What are we watching? We're watching season 11. Yes. So uh, season 11, episode seven. And as so just to real quick. Sure. Season, yeah. The log line of the show. 
late 19th and 20th centuries, starting technically in 1895. Mm -hmm. That's where we started in the pilot. Right. It takes place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, as we said earlier. The series is based on characters from the Detective Murdoch novels by Maureen Jennings and stars Yannick Bisson. Bison? Bisson? Bisson. I don't know. Yannick. Uh, who is as has beautiful eyes, as we discussed. And as a Toronto police agency, a.k.a. Toronto constabulary... Oh yes, lots of lots of constabulary talk. Um, is he? So he's a detective there, and Detective <laughs> William Murdoch uses radical forensic techniques, inventions, i.e. Yes. Um, for the time, including as you said earlier, fingerprinting and trace evidence to solve some of the city's most gruesome murders. Murder. Are you ready for the bingo card moment? Oh yes, this? please. I I have my card already here. Okay. Crime. Crime. Drama. Mystery. Crime, drama, mystery. But it's also lighthearted, too. Like, uh, I'm... Okay. They did a whole episode, people. They did a whole episode called Weekend at Murdoch's, I think yes. that's what they call it. <laughs> where they literally... Like, the whole point of the show was a takeoff on Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. There was a dead guy that they had to make believe was real. Come on! Like, that's comedy. That is yeah. comedy right there. That was really fun. There's also some light romance. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean... Totally PG. Totally PG rated. G, really. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess. But yes, there's... Yeah. There's some... No, I'd say PG. There is some light innuendo. Okay, you're right. You're sure. right. There is. But but yeah, light romance. Yeah. There's a little bit of period. It's a little mm -hmm. bit of costume. So... Yeah. Uh, the pilot premiered January 24th, 2008. So we are watching on Hulu. Mm, okay. You can also watch it on Acorn and Prime. And of course, the current episodes are CBC only. And so we are watching season 11, episode 7. It's called The Accident. Oh, no. And Murdoch investigates a car accident and uncovers sinister motives. And oh, this no. Aired... Is he going to invent airbags? <laughs> I wonder. He's going to... Okay. Oh, that is definitely... No, me. I think he's going to Seat invent... Belts? No, no. I think he's going to invent crash test dummies. Oh. That's my guess. That's... Of course he is. That's my... What do you call it? Your prediction? That's... Your prop my bet? Pro my prop bet. There you go. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good... That's a good bet. But yes, crash test dummy, seat belts, or uh, some weird... Maybe he invents like an airbag or something like yeah. that just to... But no, I get you. I get you. That's hilarious and I love it. Yeah. Aired November 13th, 2017. Great. This episode. Yeah. And as we mentioned, it stars Yannick Bisson or Bisson. Mm, your guess is as good as mine. Um, as Detective I William just call him Beautiful Eyes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Helen or Helena. We're Helen, not sure Helene. if she's got she's, the she's, different she accent. She has the All the accents, accents in the yes. E's. <laughs> She plays Dr. Julia Ogden, who is the coroner. And then also Thomas Craig is, an ins he plays Inspector Thomas Brackenreed, who's kind of like his boss. Mm -hmm. Then there's also Johnny Harris, who plays Constable George Crabtree. So these characters have been with the show since the pilot. Right. George Crabtree started off as like the young goofy sidekick he's still the goofy still sidekick is. no no he's absolutely still the goofy sidekick but it's one of those things where it's just like this show's been 15 years i yeah, think you said yeah. something like that like you kind of he, he's aged out from the young and now is just goofy <laughs> yes you're right you're right and it also this episode also and this guy is a regular now daniel maslani 
who is actually the brother of Tatiana oh, Maslany. Okay. We yeah. stand Tatiana so hard. Yeah, she's Orphan fantastic. Black just put her into my, into our hearts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, so Daniel plays Detective Llewellyn Watts, and then there's also another character um, played by Charles Vandervart, uh, and the and the character is Constable is, John Brackenreed. John so Brackenreed. it's probably related to the boss Brackenreed. Probably, but yeah. Yeah, we'll find that out. Because we watched the pilot and a couple episodes in, and then we skipped around. Oh, yeah, we skipped all over the so timeline on this. So there are certain people that I... I'm not very familiar There's 15 with. seasons, people. We can't, we can't be watching all this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to watch this. We'll come back with a dead body and some guesses. Woohoo! Sounds good. See you soon. Okay. So that was really fun. We watched it to 14 minutes in because it started right off with the the title sequence the title sequence we had forgotten i had forgotten that that they did that that they just start right with the title sequence but yes they started with that and then they go right into they go right into what is going to turn out to be the nerdiest logic cop ever Ever. Oh, I know the very first <laughs> the very, line. The very first line of the show, George. It, George is the kooky, wacky cons- assistant to Detective Murdoch. Yeah. George is suggesting that what if somebody could create a fire-fighting robot? Uh, Murdoch <laughs> pronounces it robot. Yes, which is the way that they used to pronounce it. Really. Yeah. How, how do we know that this is uh, that you they used to, I don't I, <laughs> I don't remember this at all. What I do remember, what I do remember, and here comes the nerdy logic cop portion of portion. Here comes the nerdy logic cop portion of all this. We don't need to watch this mod. Here comes the nerdy portion. <laughs> the nerdy logic cop portion of this is that the word robot was not coined in the English language or any other language. Until 1920. And this is not 1920. This is, this, is at, <laughs> this is season 11. And if the show started in 1895, this is at most 1906 or 1907. Still 13 years ahead of the word robot. So I just want to put out there, nerdy logic cop for the win. <laughs> but I, I, I honestly, I think that might have to go into the Hall of Fame of logic cops. I don't know that I will ever find a nerdier logic cop than this Czechoslovakian play, which debuted the word robot, didn't debut until 1920. <laughs> so they could not possibly have known this. So you know what? This is just another invention for uh, Mr. Murdoch. He invented the word robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, as they're they're talking about this as they're walking down the street, and they run into a character I don't think I've ever met before. Maybe he's been around, but he's a, Mr. Dilbert is his name. He mm-hmm. works for the city. He works for City Hall. He's in the in city records. Yeah. He's very punctilious. Mm-hmm. Very like, nope, I have to go. I'm going to be thirty seconds late. He doesn't actually say that, but his whole attitude is, I have yeah. to get there. I have to be on time. I have to be at work. So he goes off. They continue walking down the street. As they continue walking down the street. Chaos erupts. There is this tourist tram, which, God bless, again, like a tourist tram going through it's some, like... It's a TMZ tourist tram with, like, yeah, the windows fo- open the windows and a guy and up front guy talking into a microphone. On a microphone talking into speakers <laughs> and a woman leaning out of the window taking photos of the ground. Yeah. 
I don't understand what that's about. I wonder yeah. I wonder if that's going to become important because she mm. becomes, whatever, she becomes important. So there's this tourist tram running down, walking down the street. It's being drawn by two horses. Uh, as it's going through an intersection, the intersection, by the way, they did get the fact that streetlights hadn't been invented yet. Mm. So there is, a, there is a constabulary in the street with a sign that has stop on it and go on the other side of it to like direct traffic as to whose turn it is. It directs the tram to go. So the tram starts to go through the intersection. As it starts to go through the intersection, an automobile, a newfangled automobile comes racing through the streets. And as it comes racing through the streets, this woman pushing a pram, we don't see her face, but she's pushing a baby pram. She steps off the sidewalk well, we and think into it's the a street. Woman. We think it's a woman. You're right. Like dressed and but with a big hood, like red riding Something, hood. Something, yeah, like veil hanging. over her face. And yeah. But there's a pram and there's a, someone in a dress pushing a pram into the street right in front of this car that's driving through the road. So the car tries to stomp on its brakes and steer out of the way, and the car misses the pram, but runs into a couple other things, and then smacks right into the side of the tr- right into the side of the tourist tram, pinning Mr. Dilbert between the car and the tram. Because I think Mr. Dilbert, to his his you know a positive thing you can say about him is that he dropped his apple but went after the pram and was trying to help that lady out. Oh, was? I didn't I didn't catch that. Is that what he was doing? I thought. Maybe he was. But yeah, there was there was a whole like the crash scene was very reminiscent of Sergei Eisenstein with the pram going down the stairs yeah, of Odessa. And, then and there he drops the apple and falls for or like runs Somebody runs for it and falls for the very it's all slow-mo. Mm-hmm. And I was I was <laughs> It's apples and oranges here, people. Because <laughs> <laughs> what happens is I this apple drops because there's, of course, a seller of fruit, right. fruit at the stand. side of the fruit, fruit stand, stand on the side of the road. And I was like, what movie is that from? And Jacob called our consultant. Called our consultant, our, our movie consultant, <laughs> Dr. Lucia. Thank you for the assist, Dr. Yeah, Lucia. Yeah, who also agreed this is Godfather 2 with the oranges, which spread out all over the ground. But... It's apples, so apples and oranges is which, that's what we should call our episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but yes, though. So there has been an accident. The driver of the car has a broken nose and it's bloody. The Mister Dilbert is pinned. The German lady lady thinks that she well, has she broken was her one leg. of the tourists. She was one of the tourists, and she, she seems to have fallen out right. of the. She seems to have fallen out of the tram. Tram, and it seems that her leg is broken. Yeah, and it's he... just oh my gosh, it's a mob scene. Oh, there's also. All these other trams and trucks that are, are, backed, that are backed up, up now. and one of them that spilled over was a chicken cart. So George is helping him with the chickens, while somebody is like Murdoch fetches somebody to get a crowbar and some other metal machinery so that they can move the car away from the from tram. Jack, for Mr. Dilbert, because Mr. Dilbert. Mr. Dilbert is caught between the tram and the car. And Did Mr. Dilbert, yeah, 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 Mr. Dilbert feels absolutely fine. He's like, I'm going to be late to work. Please move this car. I am in no pain at all. It's a really good thing I wasn't hurt worse than I actually was. Yeah. But you need to move this car so I can get to work because records can't work without me. So Murdoch's like, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're getting some tools. And he's also sent out for some medical help. A nurse yeah. shows up out of nowhere. Nowhere. And she's like dressed all in white, has a little nurse cap on. I forget her name. Did we get her name? Nancy? I don't remember. Nurse Liston. I did write it down. Nurse Liston. Nurse Liston shows up and tries to help people out. But she, the. (laughs) Nurse Nancy. I'm so sorry. It's okay. (laughs) But she goes first to the guy who has the bloody nose and she sets the nose. And the nose has all sorts of like 
crazy. Like he starts to scream because it hurt and that startles the horses and the horses start to move forward with the tram, which start to like upset Mr. Dilbert. So Murdoch's like, whoa, 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 let's just unhook these horses and nobody's going anywhere and people are yelling at them to move things. It's chaos everywhere. Yeah. And then the coroner, Ogden, shows up. What is her name? Dr. Ogden. Dr. Ogden. Dr. Ogden shows up and she starts to examine Dilbert. And she's like, it's amazing that he's in such good shape for all of this. This is fantastic. So as she examines him, Murdoch and George get ready to remove the car and move the car back. And while they're doing that, George notices that the brakes are very loose on Mm -hmm. the car. And just before they're about to move the car, Dr. Ogden pops up and she's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And come with me over here so that we can talk for a second. Dilbert is getting really upset by this. He's like, I'm going to be late. Can you just, people, come on. And she's like, well, we're going to go over here and talk. Oh, yeah, just going to talk. Just going to talk over here. And what she says is that the pelvis of... Doctor, not doctor, Mr. Dilbert, is totally crushed. And the only reason he's still alive is that the car pinning him has essentially created a tourniquet effect where it's keeping all the blood inside him. But literally, as soon as they move the car, he is going to bleed out and die in moments. Yeah. So they decide that Murdoch's boss... What is Murdoch's boss's name? What's some inspector? Uh, Brackenridge. Brackenridge. Brackenridge will tell this to Mr. Dilbert. Oh, by the way, we also learned that the other Brackenridge. Brackenreed. Bracken we learned that the other Brackenreed is his son. Yeah, is in so, fact his son. Is his son. So we got that worked out. Anyways, Brackenreed goes to tell this to Mr. Dilbert and he doesn't believe it. He's like, has she ever examined anyone in a car accident before? She's a woman. She's a woman. I don't believe her. So they, but they haven't done anything yet. They also discover that the brake line has been cut on the car. Yeah. So that they now know that this has been a crime. Somebody is talking about the driver is like, I'm a good driver. I avoided the woman in the pram, didn't I? So, and they're like, where and did we, she go? Yeah. Well, they don't even really register it. They're just like, huh? And then they move on. And then they move on. But yeah. we all remember from watching right. it that there was a woman, quote unquote, with a pram and she is nowhere. She's nowhere to be found. So then Murdoch and George go to question the car driver more about the brakes and the pram. And that's where we stopped because we were 15 minutes in. And the reason we watched so much of this is because it was very, it was, it was unclear as to what the mystery was that we were going to be solving here. And it still is a little bit, but it's definitely at this point, it's very clear that somebody has cut this man's brake lines in order to sabotage him somehow, whether it's to kill him, whether it's to kill Mr. Dilbert, whether it's to kill the German lady in the tram We don't know, but somehow that is what has happened. It was set up for that. Before we got too too many more clues from talking to him, that's where we stopped it. So what do we think? Other than an egregious, egregious, I mean, I'm sorry. I think I'm going to have to write them a citation for this logic cop robot thing. Oh. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So I think, yeah, they were definitely, somebody was trying to get this guy, uh, the car driver, they only managed to hurt his nose, and right. um, he has a bloody nose. And, well, his car is now... His car is now like, pretty... Pretty damaged. I don't think anybody's out to get Dilbert, but I did think, oh, I've seen this episode before. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen this episode before. I've seen this... This, this plot device this of the person getting pinned by a car that's keeping him alive. alive. Yeah. yeah, which is a Grey's Anatomy... <laughs> Early on, I can't remember what season. And then I'm pretty sure it is a Law and Order as well. All right. So we really know nothing about these people other than this Not stuff in the present moment. 
we don't know anything about this automobile guy except that he owns an automobile and he has the full-on outfit. Did he have goggles? I he can't did. remember, but he, he did had have like goggles. the he big had the long white coat. almost the driving coat, the driving gloves, the goggles. Yeah. He had it all. Yeah, yeah. And a, a hanky for his bl- super bloody nose. So yeah, I so we don't know anything about him, so I'm just wild guesses. Wild guesses. Our That's specialty. what we're here for. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say that he is he thinks of himself as a generous person. Mm-hmm. But he is actually not generous person. Mm. And he is stealing from some people. Okay, no, changing again. He is trying to be generous to No, I I nope, I'm switching back. Okay, original guess. I think he's stealing. He thinks that he is a generous person, but he is in fact doing something that is harmful and annoys this other group of people. And I'm going to say that that maybe he he has some workers mm. um, or some land where there are people that are like on his land and he's being, I think he's being neglectful of them and disregarding their their needs Mm. Uh, even though they have been very vocal about something that they needed on their land you know like either farmers or maybe people who are sewing things and farmers or sewing things on his land (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe he owns a maybe he owns a warehouse and they're sewing things I'm trying to picture like great big like (laughs) reapers, but instead of like blades for like harvesting, they've got like great big spindles on them and they're like just like pulling up sweaters out of the soil. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're just taking it right off the sheep. Oh, yeah. They just wander around. Right from from sheep to sweater in one machine. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And they're like, but we really would prefer not to be out in the fields with the sheep. We really, really (laughs) think there should be another step in here. We're going to fleece them, we're going to spin it, and we're going to knit it all in the same machine. Because we think we could be inside Mm. while we are knitting. (laughs) And other, and he's like, no, no, you, you, you can do it outside. You can do it it's outside. Fine. It's all outside. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so you think that <laughs> I'm not even. <laughs> and sure. they're like, you are such a, a newfangled. Oh, this is making no sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what. Tell you what. I'm going to take your guess. I'm going to take your guess, <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to massage it a little bit oh, here, and okay. I'm gonna, and I'm going to put it into my guess. So this is what, so. <laughs> Think about what you want to do with so this I here. Can make a so new you guess. can make a new guess here, but but I think you're onto something with the workers. I think if you combine the workers with the idea of what they were talking about at the beginning with the robots, so oh, he was talking yes. at the robots. Like Murdoch was like, well, if you think about this, what you're really doing with that robot is you're putting a fireman out of work or a constable or a constable out of work. So what then? What do you do? Like you're talking about labor and people are yes. people are going to lose their jobs to robots. How is that a good thing? So what I think is happening is I don't think that this is Henry Ford, but what I do think is that this person is, so back in the day with cars and everything was that they were originally, like they were built by craftsmen. They would build the cars and Henry Ford- Did they build them right in the field? They did not build them right in the field. No. (laughs) 
But one person built a car. And Henry oh. Ford's big invention with the whole assembly line was that instead of one person having to know how to build a complete car, all you had to do was just stick a guy right here and he would just turn this bolt all day long. Like uh -huh. as the car came by him, he'd have to turn this bolt three times, which was made it much more efficient and which is what enabled him to like make the cars so cheaply and put so many out into the world. So I am guessing that this guy somehow, because this is steampunk and ahead of its time, I'm guessing that this guy is somehow ahead of his time and somehow using, like, misusing and abusing his workers to do some proto-assembly line, or maybe even just take the assembly line idea straight from Henry Ford, and uh. the workers are fighting back, and they wanted to try and kill him so that they could, like, just have, like, their dignity and their rights back as artisanal workers oh, on cars. Oh, yes. That is what I think is going on. Okay. I think it is, like, labor strife is essentially what's yes. happening, and the workers are banding together to kill this guy who wants to institute, like, turning people into robots and just mechanized labor. That's what I think yes. is going on. Yes. Socialism I for the win. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I don't know, though. I don't think it holds a candle to your from 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 sheep to sweater all in one machine in the field. <laughs> I think that, that's some real that's some real innovation right there. Her. Well, I mean, you you got the you took away the most important part was there are workers that are upset <laughs> <laughs> and he's not listening to them and thinks that he is a generous person. And they're and he, they're like, no, you're not hearing no, no, this. No, 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 you're you're a bad man. <laughs> yeah. Sheep. You're safe outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you lose the sheep, where do you think this is going? Well, shoot. Now I got to make a whole nother guess. It's true. I mean, the good news is, is that you could totally lean into this whole Mr. Dilbert thing. Like maybe it yeah. was just like, I mean, if Mr. Dilbert is such a creature of habit, they'd have to know that he'd be going through this intersection every day at just this time. <gasps> right. Yes. Absolutely. So maybe, and there's got to be something going on with these chickens. Oh, you know, and I also think there's something to do with the tram. Oh, the tourist tram? The tourist mm -hmm, tram. Because mm -hmm. that guy is a real pain in the... That guy keister. is a real pain in the keister. And yeah. so that German lady is also a pain in the keister. Even and though he she's doesn't got like a, her. She doesn't, he doesn't like her. She is certainly unhappy. Yeah. yeah. Which could just be because she broke her leg. I mean, you break a leg and you're on vacation. Nobody's going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And she keeps photographing the dirt, like you said. Yeah. I don't know why she she's really photographing the dirt. really hung out on the... So we'll have to find... And there's somebody... Who's the person that's with Murdoch and Constable? Yeah. There's some new detective uh, that's in there, too, and he's a little bit of a creeper. Yeah, he is. He's a bit of a cad. He's, he's really trying to get on the an, nurse. Yeah. He really is trying to hit on Nurse Liston. <laughs> yeah. And she seems mildly i maybe it was her let's like let's just go with nurse liston i really think she shows up out of nowhere she I absolutely does she is not so you you're saying nurse liston i'm saying union boss you're saying nurse liston i think nurse liston was the person in the baby oh yeah no, absolutely tram. that was totally 100 percent. yeah yeah, yeah absolutely too. Oh, and she just stowed her she just stowed that outfit and, and came back and is now doing this yeah yeah and so she is overjoyed to fix that guy's nose and probably ruin it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she goes to him. Because she though? goes to him as opposed to dealing with the German lady, German lady or Mister Dilbert. Like she's like, let's yes. go right to him. Yes, right away. So, does she even know that guy's name? I don't know. That's does a good question. It? I can't remember now if she actually says his name. So yeah, I think she's the. She is a perpetrator. I think she cut the thing, and. Mr. Uh, Dilbert 
maybe he didn't help her in the records office when she was trying to complain or look up something. Oh, so you do think it's her trying to kill Mr. Dilbert, less about the auto guy. Oh, both of them. Both of them. I think she's them. trying to get both of them. I think she was trying to originally get the automobile driver, but she needed something from Mr. Gilbert and he was totally a misogynist a-hole to her about helping her Mm -hmm. and she noticed that he had this very regular schedule oh maybe that's why he wouldn't help her is because he was he was like no we're closed or oh yeah yeah, this is lunchtime and i do we do not do stuff during lunchtime and she's like this is the only freaking time i can come because this is why because i work for blah 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 blah. why can you not help me and she's like get them both in one one fell swoop yeah all right so she's out for revenge paperwork revenge yeah my guy is social unrest labor unrest yeah And we'll figure out what happens to the chickens when we come back. Uh, Oh my goodness. Nobody won. Nobody won. Nobody won, and many Kleenexes were slain in yeah. this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this episode got a little teary. Yeah. It got a little sad. Yeah. And uh, not gonna not gonna spoil anything. <laughs> Who am I kidding? We yeah, spoil what are you everything. Talking about? I'm looking at you like. Uh, huh? that, that, what? No, no, that is not how this works. We spoil everything. So not only did we not get it right. Poor Mr. Dilbert does in fact die. There were some points where I thought they're going to pull something out. They're going to pull something out some way that yeah. he can survive. But there was a murder, there was and it a... wasn't backed a, a murder. It was oh, in fact a, a murder. murder. The intention was there. Everything was there. And of course, we yeah. got to watch it, which is not a thing that you see a lot on detective shows like this. You see the body, but you do, but you don't really see so much that the murder taking place a lot of times. Because, I mean, I guess if you saw the murder taking place, unless it was poison or something, but if you saw the murder taking place, you'd know, oh, okay, well, that person's the murderer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's yes. just... okay. That's just how it is. So I guess maybe that's why. But, like, I don't know. You really got to sit with the victim in this one, and it was, it was... Uh, yeah. No pun intended, a little crushing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, this trope is in other TV yeah, shows. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned. You've mentioned. It is always a crushing episode where they're just focused on this person who is crushed. Yeah, this person who is. And just, they spend the whole episode with them, and then in the end, they die. They die. They're gone. This is like your Emmy episode. Oh yeah. Well, in any event, this was a really great episode. Let's get into it. Here we go. So as to. To set the scene, again, there's been this accident. This car has pinned uh, Dilbert up against a tram. He believes that he's going to be fine. And nurse Dr. Ogden is just like, oh, no, 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 no. We move this car. He's going to die. Yeah. Um, but they don't know what to do. And they know now that it's a murder mystery, they have to, they're trying to solve it in real time. Well, um, they don't know that it's a murder. You're right. They don't know that it's a murder. They do know that somebody has cut the brakes to and this so guy's attempted. thing. So it's a so some kind of damage was attempted somewhere. And yeah. that's kind of where we pick up, to be yeah. perfectly honest. That's kind of where we pick things up. George George, the bumbling sidekick guy, and Mr. Yeah. Murdoch are questioning the car driver. The car driver's name is Mr. Flannery. And Mr. Flannery is he's that great character who's 
he's a buffoon. He's just like, everybody loves me, except for my family who wrote me out of the will, and except for my roommates who hate me, and except for this guy at the bar I got into a fight with last night. So yes. maybe that guy could have temp- tampered with my car in an effort to kill me as I went over this ravine or something like that. The bar, by the way, right, which he says, like, I was at the bar right across the way, and he points to the bar, and the bar's name... <laughs> and the camera name- goes, <laughs> <laughs> The bar's name is The Tipsy Ferret. Yes, which, which is this another episode with ferrets what? referenced. Yeah, because remember we watched that episode early, I think it was yes, in the first yes, season. Yes, 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 ferrets instead George of bloodhounds. George brings a ferret. George brings a ferret. <laughs> I wonder because if this they is like can a, smell blood. They can smell blood. I wonder if this is like a pineapple thing. I wonder if there's like yes. a ferret in every episode of Murdoch Mysteries. We didn't see it in all the episodes, but I wonder yeah. if it is a running joke. So, mm-hmm. but what would, okay, if you, like the tipsy ferret, what would your bar be? If you were going to name a bar, like what would your bar name okay, be? Okay, like, I'm so ready for this. The, take please us. hit me. Hit okay, me. Oh, no, I, okay, you said tipsy ferret. Right. I'm just going to start here. Low bar, right? Sure. The drunk ox. That probably exists. Sure, right? sure. But I also love that you started with a low bar. Like <laughs> <laughs> Also a good bar name. It just gets better from here. Okay. That's, <laughs> I bet you're right. The low bar. Oh my god. That has to exist, right? It must. The low bar. It must. Okay. What else? What else you got? Well, no, now you. My, well, my my first one, my first one was this is not very good, but I was just like I would love I would love to see how long a bar named Beer Farts could stay in existence. <laughs> what have you got? The Peppy Pelican. <laughs> I love it. Is my next one. I, the Drunken Stunt. Oh. Yeah. Wait, little, what's a little stunt? internal rhyme. No, oh, just, yeah. just like the stupid things Should you I, do when yes. you're drunk. Oh my the gosh, drunken you're stunt. so good. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Inebriated Giraffe. <laughs> you went all in on the animals. Yes, yes, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> my last one was get pickled. Because, oh, you, you know, a little yes. pun on getting drunk, but it could also yeah. serve pickles, pickled eggs, and it would maybe specialize in infusions. You know what I yes. mean? Like they do their own infusions, which isn't quite pickling, but, you know, kind of. That's that's what I had. What are some of your others? Okay. I had the tippler hair. <laughs> the tippler hair. The bowl in the bag. <laughs> the bowl in the bag. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I love it. Well, like if somebody's in Pit, the bag. Yeah, pig in a poke, vole in the bag. <laughs> the hammered platypus. <laughs> <laughs> the snockered salamander. <laughs> okay, the soused grouse. Yes. That that exists. That, that must exist. That's the soused grouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a bunch of grumpy people just getting drunk and just complaining <laughs> to each other. The soused <laughs> grouse. <laughs> Those are all of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. But anyways, back at the... Uh, Mur- so Murdoch goes to the bar because the driver, Mr. Flannery, is like, you can talk to the barmaid. She knows who I was there. I was. She'll, she'll know the name of the person I was fighting with. So Murdoch goes to the barmaid. The, the, he, Flannery had the name all wrong, but she recognizes Dilbert. Uh, the barmaid recognizes Dilbert, and she's just like, I don't know who he is, but I could set my watch by him. He's here crossing the street at the same time every day. And she feels bad for him because she just she just knows him. You know what I mean? He's just this person in the neighborhood. Breckenridge asks if Dilbert wants him to call anybody. But Dilbert is like, no, I've got no one. I'm unmarried. My parents are dead. There's no one. But he does confess that there is one person he'd like to see, a lady named Mildred Ash. <laughs> Who this is, they have such fun with this character. He is such like, the Mildred Works in the sewage department. Yes. So he works in city records and she works in sewage. 
He's been working with her on getting the permits for a new water treatment plant ready. And he has a few more notes that he has to give her because there's a meeting for the permitting today that he wants to get her because there's some scuttle going on about that. Breckenreed is like, yes, of course, immediately. Breckenreed goes off to contact Miss uh, Mildred. But meanwhile, George is still running around trying to get the chickens caught. Remember the chickens? Yes. There was a cart that tipped over and yeah. had some chickens. He gets a bunch of cops together to kind of lift up the cart. And as he does that, a door pops open and some pigs come darting out. So like, and there's a fire hydrant that's like bursting through the ground. There's yes. some amazing keystone coppery happening here, yes. which makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So... Constable George Crabtree is played by Johnny Harris, who is a, in real life, stand-up comedian, sketch comic and writer. And besides his 200-plus Murdoch right. Mysteries <laughs> episodes, he is also the producer-writer-star of a show called Still Standing, in which... He visits a small town, very small town, like smaller than Letter Letterkenny, like right. two thousand five hundred people type town in Cal in uh, right. Canada, and he talks to the inhabitants, and then he does a stand up show for them. He has done eighty four episodes. Oh of wow! This. He is super busy in hiatus. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I totally want to see this. It must be. Like, <laughs> I, yes, we have to figure out how to watch this show. Yeah. I totally want to, I think you're right. It's a show. He's not just, it's a TV show. We need to find out how to find an episode of this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but he's also busy in this episode because he and Llewellyn Watts have to chase down these pigs now. So the pigs, I love this. The pigs go down a blind alley. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the pigs down go down an alley and as they're picking up the pig, they find the pram. Remember the accident was caused by this woman stepping out in the street, pushing a pram, wearing yeah. this coat. They find the pram. There's no baby in the pram. There's just this coat. And now Murdoch believes that there never was a baby, that whoever was pushing this pram was an accomplice. He tasks George and Llewellyn with finding this accomplice, which leads to a really great scene if you know a little bit about TV production. So like in TV production, as soon as you talk, they have to pay you more money. Yes, If, if yes. you speak, they pay you more money. If you don't speak, you're just an extra. So there's this sequence where George and Llewellyn have to go to all these like... They have to interview all, interview these, all people these people on the been, sidewalk. On the sidewalk, all these people who are standing around who might be witnesses, but they can't pay them anything. So they have, do you recognize this? And the people are like, hmm, hmm, hmm. There is so much shaking of heads and shrugging of shoulders. It's fantastic. Very strong shaking Very, of oh, shoulders. Oh, yeah. These are people who are trying. Like, they yeah. can't talk, but they are definitely trying to chew the scenery as much yes. as they can. They're yeah, like, yeah. this is it. This is my shot. Make the most of it. Yeah. And, you know, good. Good for them. Yes. All for it. But Get it, your SAG card. Right? Love it. Anyways, so they're doing that. Murdoch takes the new info and asks Flannery, the driver, if he recognizes the coat. Here's the coat from the pram. Does he recognize it? And Flannery's like, nope, I have no idea who that is. Uh-uh, no sure, no siree. I don't recognize any of that. So Murdoch, of course, thinks he's hiding something. And he's hurting in his midsection. Flannery is. He's like, he's yeah. grabbing his stomach and he's limping a little bit and he hurts in his midsection. And Murdoch is like, something's going on here. So he asks Dr. Ogden to go check out Flannery. Flannery doesn't let Ogden look at him. He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But Ogden comes back and talks to Murdoch, and he's like, you know what? It's really suspicious that Flannery hurt his nose when the car crashed into it, because what should happen is that if you should just be flung forward and your chest should hit the steering wheel, not your face. So if, like... Maybe, like, 
they even get heart attacks apparently at the time. Like you would yeah. hit it and you would hit it really hard and you'd get a heart attack from it. So she knows something is up. She's just not quite sure what's going on, but something is up yeah. here. And they're working together. And I really like the teamwork there. But yeah. you know what? Things weren't always so rosy between uh, Murdoch and Dr. Ogden, apparently. It's true. So give us the tea, Jessica. Okay, I was like, when we were going into this episode and I was kind of wandering around sure. the the Murdoch Mysteries. Finding the lore fan, of the TV series. Fans, yeah, the, exactly, in the fan sites and whatever. And I was like, does this ever get consummated between the two of them? Also, <laughs> we, we watched an episode where we were like, are they at a hotel together? Is he living at a hotel? Is she living at a hotel? It was very confusing. It was very confusing. Yeah. And so suddenly I found out she was married and not to him. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So, okay. So the the pilot, they are set up as flirting hard. Yeah, absolutely. Like the very first scene, you see, you meet them together at this event. And so, you know, they, this is a relationship that is very important. Our hero, William Murdoch, played by Yannick Bisson or Bisson. Not really sure. Yeah. Um, he, by the way, actor was in a show called Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries, which maybe we will check Ooh, out. It sounds lovely. Yeah. He also did a show it, while he was doing Murdoch Mysteries called The Adventures of Napkin Man, <laughs> which sounds very silly, but it's a it's a lovely show about a, a man named Anthony who is helping children to talk about their emotions Aww. and learn their emotions. So it's a children's show. And um, how to express emotions. He was also on a show called Republic of Doyle. And his first major role, his big breakout after doing bunches of commercials, was in 1984, a CBC movie of the week called Hockey Night. <laughs> Alongside Lovely. Rick Moranis Aww. and Megan Fellows. So, yeah, I mean, of course it's hockey. And then Dr. Julia Ogden is played by Helene Joy, who is a native of Perth, Australia. Ooh. And is known for Murdoch Mysteries, Sadie's Last Days on Earth, and a Scandinavian noir-style show called Durham County, mm. which is about Detective Mike Sweeney and his family as he hunts a serial killer he's certain is the guy across the street that he went to high school with. Oh, So okay. it's like, do you ever know people? Do that... you truly ever know somebody? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the stuff about the actors. Yeah, enough about the actors. Tell us about the relationship. Yes. So in season two... Dr. Ogden is needled by her sister into revealing that she does like, like Murdoch. Like, like, like? Yeah, that she does like, like him. And then in season three, she reveals that she had an abortion <gasps> while in university and thinks that she is sterile. Oh. And for his part, Murdoch overthinks things at length. Clearly. As in usual. A box. And perhaps conflicted by his Roman Catholicism and desire to have a family, he becomes distant from her. And she is convinced that his distance is a rejection. Oh. And she moves to Buffalo. Sure. Unaware that she has left a burdock behind at the train station holding a ring and a proposal. Uh. That was in the end of season three. In the fifth season, she returns to Toronto I wonder- engaged. I wonder, like, did she have, like, 
I wonder what show didn't go in that year. Like what yeah, stage show did she four. do? The like season four. What did? What else did she have going on? Yeah, but, yeah. That she needed but, to but in season with. five she comes back. Yeah. So in the fifth season she returns to Toronto, engaged, and then after an unsuccessful attempt by other folks on the show to convince her that she doesn't need to follow through with this engagement, that Murdoch does in fact like her, like like like, like her. Like, like her uh, that she, that there is, he has like a proposal and a ring and the whole business, I guess that, I yeah. don't know how they communicate was, this, but they kind he, of like try hard without saying it, saying it or something. Where is Napkin Man when you need him? Right. How can, where, where is this Napkin Man to get them to tell them their emotions? Yes. Uh. Yes. And he, she marries Dr. Darcy Garland a colleague and a friend that she met in Buffalo. Mm. She realizes that she is just meant to be his conventional wife. And he never meant for her to have any thoughts of her own or any mind of her own to do things. So literally and figuratively boxed in by her choices, she is buried alive in (laughs) a grave by a psychopath. Thank you, writers. I love this show. <laughs> and uh, this psychopath is a returning phantom that has it out for Murdoch. Okay. And wants to hurt him. And so Murdoch saves the day. They get of her out of the grave. And at the turn of the century ball, so we're... 1899. 1899. Dr. Darcy knows that Julia is not happy. Mm-hmm. And he asks her if she still wants to be with him. And she says... No. <gasps> Upon hearing that it is finished with Dr. Darcy, Murdoch says, Julia, I have seen the future. And she says, William? And he says, it was you. And there are kisses and Aww. fireworks and all kinds of happiness. So in the season hiatus, Dr. Ogden goes and studies with Dr. Freud in Vienna. Yeah. And she returns to Toronto, unfortunately still married, though. Right. And divorce is difficult in those days. And when her husband, however, realizes that Murdoch and she have loved each other all this time, he calls her a whore and he rips up the divorce papers. He's like, if I can't have her, you're uh, not going to get her. You're not going to get her either. And so Murdoch punches Dr. Darcy for calling her a whore. And Julia is incensed. She says, Dr. Darcy is her burden and she will take care of this situation. But then Dr. Darcy is murdered. (gasps) Oh, Dr. Ogden. Dr. Ogden, no. And it's pinned on her. Of course it is. Dr. Ogden. Because everyone finds out that he wouldn't give her the right, right, right. And I bet I know what happens next. She is seconds from being yes, executed. Yes, seconds. And Murdoch solves the case. Good job, Murdoch. And finally, in season eight, Dr. Julia and Detective season Murdoch eight? are married. Three, like, season eight. Good job with the, like, slow burn, long delay. Like, yeah. she, like season That's five. That's a long time. Like, even from when she came back and got married in season five, five, six, seven, eight. Like, my lord. Like, good job. Yeah, yeah. Good job keeping and that going. to be fair, I really think in season four, she was in a couple of episodes. Like, she came back to Toronto for uh-huh. a couple things. But just, she just still. Was in Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Well done. But in any event, they are working together now. They are working very well together. Because Dr. Ogden has given him this news, and Murdoch intuits that Flannery, the driver, must have had some sort of restraining device. 
and he even looks, searches through the car and he finds the bolts where a rope or a belt could have been secured to the car. So Murdoch didn't invent the seatbelt like we had thought. Yes, like we were just we going to there's going to be a crash test we dummy or a really seatbelt or an airbag. Yeah, we one. really did. But but I will say somebody in this episode invented the seatbelt. Yes, so true. good for us. But now, of course, Murdoch is more convinced than ever that the driver planned to run into Dilbert all along. Yeah. But they don't know why, and they haven't been able to like find any direct evidence to pin it on Flannery yet. So Back at the accident, though, with Dilbert, the nurse is caring for Dilbert and Mildred shows up. She and Dilbert, like Mildred and Dilbert, are totally hot for each other in that totally chaste, much too shy to say, actually say anything yes. kind of way. Yeah. But Dilbert, comp- <laughs> they're talking about the notes for this, like, permit hearing that they're having today. And they're talking about the notes and, like, Mildred's like, well, I took very good notes. And Dilbert's like, yes, I noticed your cross-eclectic shorthand. And they're like... <laughs> Both of them like turn blush red into like this is it's the nerdiest flirting I've ever seen. Yeah, it's fantastic. But this is not the first time that those two actors have had any chemistry together, is it, Jessica? Yes. Well, I mean, I'm not for sure that it was chemistry, chemistry, but Mm -hmm. I think this was actual stunt casting. Okay, the two of them together because um, Dilbert, Dilbert, Mr. Dilbert is played by David Hewlett, who is known for Shape of Water, Rise of Planet Apes, Stargate, tons and tons of Stargate. And then also he's on Clarice and Private Eyes, by the oh, way, and Departure. But he, what, what, what I'm really going for here mm-hmm. is that he was on a show in Canada called Traders, which is like day traders, like yeah, not yeah, like, set not in like betrayal, Toronto, but traders like trading something back yeah, and forth. Yeah, based investment house right, called okay. Gardner Ross. It explores the intimate lives and loves of investment bankers <laughs> whose high stakes decision and decision making and sizzling alliances can have grave international consequences. Okay, so Mr. Dilbert plays, or not Mr. Dilbert, David (laughs) Hewlett plays Grant Jansky, a brilliant but disturbed derivatives trader who, despite his poor social skills, is actually a genius, able to calculate numbers lightning fast in his head, and he tends to keep to himself, but he is in love with a character named Anne, who is in love with a character named Jack. But Anne dies in season three. And then in season four, Jack is murdered. And Grant is beside himself. And he's formally diagnosed with having a borderline personality disorder, which has him suffering from delusions and fits of rage. And he is later given an antipsychotic drug, which proves to be a big help. However, he stops taking it. And after another character, Marty, is stabbed, Grant is (laughs) guilt-ridden. He begins blaming himself. And Ziggy, who is... The office receptionist, uh-huh. played by Angela Vint, who plays in this episode Mildred Ash. Oh, Ziggy okay. goes to visit Grant Jansky, played by David Hewlett, who plays, who Dilbert, plays Dilbert in this episode, and she convinces Grant to start taking his drugs again. So there is another little like emotional moment between the two of them yes. there. So TV- start taking his medication. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, medication. Yes. So I think this was a nod to get them back together on right. screen. And they do have like they like they do have real chemistry. And it, and it is that whole it is that very awkward chaste like two nerds in love kind of flirting. 
But as sweet as that relationship is, Dilbert still refuses to believe anyone would want to hurt him. He just doesn't think that he's important enough. Like, it's not that mm. it's not that he's like, everybody loves me. He's just like, who would want to harm me? There's no reason for anyone to harm me. I'm just this minor bureaucrat. Yeah. All I'm trying to do is prepare to reject this new contract for a water treatment plant, which Murdoch is like, gada. Like, that's millions of dollars that you're prepared to, like, stop this company from getting. That's the motivation. Dilbert asks Mildred to go in place of him to deliver this news that we should they should reject this company for the water filtration plant. And she asks why. And he finally, Dilbert finally confesses that he's probably going to die. And Mildred is like, what the what? And that is when the show really starts, like, you. I mean... You kind of like, yes, he's had this death sentence the whole show, but now all of a sudden Mildred's like, what is happening? What, like watching it like crash over her and watching it kind of crash over Dilbert as he comes to realize this too. It's like, I don't know, you've had the light Keystone cop moments and it's keeping it a little light, but now you can really like, boom, settle into the fact that this guy is yeah. going to die. Yeah. Um, they. It is, I, I kept thinking the whole time, just over and over and over again, what if I found out that the person that I really loved and that it had like a super crush mm -hmm. on for all this time had a crush on me and in like seconds later, I found out, oh, he's going to die in a few seconds. Yeah. Like you had this, I, you, I would have, I, I'm married to you. So, yeah. but this idea. Spoiler that, alert. Like, <laughs> yeah. This, this character idea that like, oh my gosh. This guy has finally revealed his feelings. I have said my feelings. Our lives, we could have a life together now. I thought I was going to be a spinster or I thought I was going to be alone right. all of my life. And all of a sudden she's like, oh my gosh, I have a person. We're, we have like our whole lives ahead of us. No, we have our whole lives for the next half hour. If that. Yeah. If that. It's, it, yes, like, ugh. Anyways, they do like they do realize that they care for each other, and Mildred is finally like, "Boom! They're kissing. They are, we are smooching. Yes. If you're dying, we're smooching." And they do yeah. kiss. Yeah. It's very sweet. So, in that vein, which romance do we think is better, <laughs> Mildred, Mildred and Dilbert, or Murdoch and Doctor Ogden? Oh come on! I know, right? I love Doctor Ogden and and Murdoch. Uh, that relationship is fantastic it is i don't know that we have to choose i don't okay. know that we have to choose yeah. but it is like it's wow. we got the one long simmering and then we have the other relationship that lasts for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> potato potato anyways murdoch is also like and i mean what happens when you go back to work and you're like yeah i yeah he died and it turns out he loved me and now he's dead <laughs> now i have i had a person and now I have, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly, yes, My but exactly the same. There's just this weird blip. All. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Except uh, for that day. Except for that kiss. You have that kiss. You'll, they will always have an accident in the middle of Toronto. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Murdoch is also upset with all this. I mean, who wouldn't be? Uh, and he promises to catch the people responsible. And he goes to tell everyone to be on the lookout for the accomplice because people really do want to kill Dilbert, and we've got to find this person. Dr. Ogden says, okay, well, I'll go get the morphine to give Dilbert, because we're ready to move the car. I'll get the <laughs> morphine to, for yes. Dilbert. And she notices that the morphine is missing from her bag. Murdoch now sees the nurse. Remember the nurse? The nurse who 
set showed the nose up out of and nowhere. showed up out of nowhere. The nurse is moving towards Dilbert with this great big syringe, but Murdoch stops her before she can kill Dilbert. And then Nurse Liston and Flannery turn on each other because Flannery is just like, I don't know who that woman is. I don't know. I've never seen her before. And the nurse is, who's just like, you, she's, I think, I don't think she says a bad word because this is like primetime show, yeah. but she says something that's meant to be a bad word. Let's just say that. Yeah. But there you go. They've turned out the day is saved. They've figured out who it is. The Except nurse and the The nurse Adam and, the, and Flannery, the driver, they were in it together yeah. to stop Dilbert from giving this news about the water filtration plant so that the plant could get it and they could make all this money. Yeah. The day is saved, except not really, because now the only thing that's left is to move the car and to get Dilbert away from the car. And Dr. Ogden has a plan to try and save his life and everybody's going to do their best to save his life. But the car goes away and Dilbert just bleeds out in seconds yeah. it's just oh my goodness mildred was heartbroken we were heartbroken many kleenexes lost their lives in the yes. in the end of this episode uh it was just a uh, good job good job everybody good so job, yeah writers uh, actors, exactly writers creators, actors directors, directors everybody tell us about the writers and director okay so this is written by mary peterson who is known as a writer, co-executive producer, producer for Murdoch Mysteries, for Frankie Drake, for Hudson and Rex, all these shows oh my that are Shaftesbury productions. Yes, good for her. <laughs> we still And we do still need to get back to Hudson and Rex. That, we yes. Need, yes. Yeah. So thank you, Mary Peterson, for this episode. And then this show, this episode was directed by Allison Reed, who is a producer, writer, director, and... Yes. In a quest for a lifetime of excitement and adventure, <laughs> Allison Reed started in the biz pursuing a career as a stunt performer. Oh. Starting at age 17 what? in the 80s, she w went on to rack up over 300 films and TV Holy stunt credits. Smokes. All many, kinds of stuff you would recognize. How many bones do you think she's broken? Oh, right, right. She became the second female stunt co coordinator in all of North America. Wow. Yeah. Um, some of her shows that are relevant to us sure. <laughs> include Wonderfalls, which is a Brian Fuller show. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. She also was on Avonlea, which is an Anna Green Gables show. She um, was a stunt coordinator on Due South, which was a Paul oh, Gross yeah, from Paul Slings Gross, and yeah, yeah. show. Uh, she also was a stunt coordinator on Suits and 24 episodes of Murdoch, Murdoch Mysteries uh, she has been a part of, including uh, a bunch that were actually stunt coordinating and seven of them were directing. Good job, Allison. Yeah. Notable to this episode, actually, uh -huh. is that under the banner of her production company, Free Spirit Films, she produced and directed an award-winning debut feature film and LGBTQ two plus comedy called the baby formula starring actress angela vint who plays mildred right Ash another mildred episode. yeah okay and she is currently in production on holly hobby <laughs> oh my gosh like i cannot imagine what that is even gonna be i <laughs> holly hobby is is that the one I, I i have to admit i like i'm very familiar with the name not so familiar with the character or the doll that's the one that has like the really big bonnet that kind yes, of covers her face kind okay of no head yeah it's just a bonnet yeah oh my god that could I, be a really creepy show but i bet i bet it will be very sweet and wholesome yeah yeah oh hey something i forgot to say yeah about the writer of this episode sure she has written two episodes on a podcast called 
The Secret Diaries of Detective Murdoch. Ooh. And I feel like we need to listen to that. Yes, by all means, we'll cue that up. Yeah, so if you didn't know, go listen to that if you need some Murdoch on your drive. Murdoch on the drive, there or it is. Murdoch while you're doing dishes. But not before you're done listening to this one. But guess no, what? No, listen to us first. You are done listening to this one. There you go. It was another episode where we lost, but hopefully we uh we came up with some but good names you for our win. bars. You win. <laughs> By the way, if you ever use any of those names for your bar, we expect to be invited over for free drinks. Yes. That's all we ask or, for. Or please tag us when you visit those bars. <laughs> yes, by all means. It's a low bar we're asking for. Hey, hey, we'll go back to that well. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm Jacob. See you next time. I'm Jessica. Bye. Bye. everybody thanks for listening we really appreciate it and now we want to hear from you tell us your guesses your scores your insider info your favorite logic cop catches and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next follow us and join the fun on twitter at clue or on instagram and facebook at clue podcast rate us and review us on apple podcasts to help get the word out because watching tv is always, always better, better with, with friends, friends. So there's an article on Daily Cause. You are pronouncing the word robot wrong. <laughs> and then it says, all of the actors who use the word robot pronounce it robot. Robot. <laughs> and then that's the whole. And why do, and then there's another <laughs> Google, why do people ask? Why do people say robot instead of robot? So this is a common thing that people type into Google. <laughs> Google is auto-completing how to actually, <laughs> I love it.